Hello and welcome to Posting Up, the Washington Post NBA podcast. I'm your host, Tim Bonatemps, National NBA writer for the Washington Post. Coming to you tonight from my apartment in San Francisco, where uh, I just got done recording a podcast with my good friend Jay King from MassLive.com. Uh, talked to him about the uh, the epic rivalry game that was uh, Wizards-Celtics tonight um, in Washington. And, you know, since Jay covers the Celtics, we largely touched on uh, Boston's kind of confusing uh lack of interest in the game um, and, and just kind of lack of, of uh, spark uh, for a team that's now lost three in a row and has is, is been struggling of late. Um, just kind of a surprising lull from them overall in their schedule. So we talked about, uh, we talked about that. We talked about uh, you know, what this team can do going forward in terms of trying to maybe improve at the trade deadline, why, uh, why the roster is not playing at the same way it did last year. Uh, some of the reasons behind that, Jay had some really good insight one of the best guys uh, covering that team that there is. So hopefully you enjoy that. We also got into uh, some of the hysteria in Boston around uh, the, the potential for the future for them, not only as a free agent destination this summer when they should have max cap room, but also because the Brooklyn Nets have uh, are going to send them both their first round pick this year and next year. Uh, and the Nets are on pace to be pretty clearly the worst team in the league, which means that Boston uh, will have a very good shot at the number one pick and will have one of the top four picks in the draft for sure which means they will be able to get their hands on uh, possibly someone like Markel Fultz from Washington or Alonzo Ball from UCLA, uh, who coincidentally I will be going to watch next week uh, in Seattle, and I'll be writing and podcasting about that. So um, it should be an interesting listen for you guys, I think. So um, with that, let me let me turn it over to the podcast uh, with Jay, and we'll start right now. So what was it like being in the arena at the Verizon Center today for uh, the, the NBA's current greatest rivalry? between the Wizards and Celtics. <laughs> I mean, the the fans did not seem to notice that it was the biggest rivalry in NBA history. Shocking the Wizards fans were not paying attention. It's great. <laughs> yeah, no, nobody, I don't know if, honestly, if nobody knew the bad blood in that entire crowd, I wouldn't be shocked. There were like a few scattered boos, but hardly anybody was there. And for a team, I mean, the, the Wizards have won 13 straight home games entering the night. It, it the fan, I mean, you know, I, I don't want to spend the whole time just ripping the, the Washington fans, given I work for the Washington Post. But the uh, the, the atmosphere there is, um, it is laughably bad how little people care about the team. Uh, it's worse than Atlanta. It really is. It, it's, it's embarrassingly bad. They have... You know, we're going to get to it later uh, about how good they are and how good their backcourt is. I mean, they have some terrific players and a good team that, like you said, has the best, you know, has won 14 games in a row at home, and they just can't, they can't get anybody to pay attention. But let, let's focus on the team they drilled today, uh, your Boston Celtics, who had lost, I don't remember, I know they lost to the Knicks last Wednesday at home, then they lost to the Blazers at home, two sub-500 bad teams, and while the Wizards were in Charlotte last night, they were the, the Celtics were in Washington, had two days off before this game, and then come out and basically, I don't know if they ever led. They definitely, they definitely were down virtually the entire game and, uh, and just got run out of the gym, basically. So, um, you know, what, 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 is, what is kind of your impressions of a Celtics team that despite the fact that they are, you know, they're, they're in third place in the East and they have a good record, um, but I, I think it's fair to say that uh, they haven't been playing to that kind of level overall, at least for quite some time now. Yeah, you know, over the last month, they've generally been pretty good. 
but they have the second worst defense in the entire league over that span. And, you know, their, their defense, their defense struggled at the beginning of the year. And you kept thinking they would snap out of it. And now here we are more than midway through the season and their defense is still getting shredded pretty much night after night. Their rebounding is abominable. They're, they're not forcing turnovers like they did last season. Last, last season, their, their defense was like a tornado. They were, they were all over the place. They, they forced teams out of what they did best. They were one of the top five defenses and they returned most of the same players and all of a sudden they can't stop anyone. So that's a real issue. Isaiah Thomas has become an offensive superstar. The the offense is going to score points. A lot of the guys who weren't shooters in the past now have become knockdown shooters, whether it's A.B. Bradley, Jay Crowder, definitely not Marcus Smart, but a, a lot of guys have taken it taking steps on the offensive end it's it's just the defense that's that's going to keep holding them back unless they can figure out a way to fix it well let's start with the defense um I, a lot of people have been noting the lack of turnovers i want to say last year they were third in turnovers created and third in points off turnovers and this year they're somewhere in the middle of the pack um what do you think because i mean let's be honest most of the roster is the same so what, what do you think has been the biggest reason why this team has struggled to, to generate turnovers in the same manner that they did last year when they had so much success doing it? Well, I think part of it is they, they've, they're smaller now. And, you know, you go from Evan Turner as, A, your, your backup wing, backup point guard, whatever he was. He was 6'7". He was a big guy. He was a good rebounder. He, he was long. He, he was active defensively. He could guard multiple positions. Now you give some of those minutes to Terry Rozier, who's a six foot two guard and an inexperienced one at that, who isn't really caught up to speed defensively. And then you go from Jared Sullinger, who for all his flaws was a, a great defensive rebounder and a good positional defender. So you, you take those guys away. Those are two of your best rebounders. Um, you're, you're playing young guys like Rozier and Brown and, then a defensive minus in Gerald Green, who's also off the bench. So a lot of the times the bench units have three minuses defensively. So for, for all the guys, and then I, I do think, you know, Jay Crowder, whether it's because of the ankle or, or whatever, has not been the same. Amir Johnson hasn't moved as well. He hasn't been as forceful. He hasn't been rebounding the ball as well. And so they have huge rebounding issues. And when you're not forcing the turnovers like you did in the past and you're not in the right spot defensively. And some of it, honestly, some of it's just, just effort sometimes. I do think they, they believe, you know, we can score now. We don't have to be such a gritty team all the time, but, but they, they can't, it, it's like, like they're going, if they do that, they set their ceiling at good. And if they want to be any better than good, then, then they've got to fix the defensive issues. You know what the Atlanta Hawks rebounding rate was last year? It was 29th or 30th in the league, right? 47.5%, which was 28th in the NBA. You want to know what the Boston Celtics rebounding rate is right now? It's Is it 47.5? 47.5% and 28th in the NBA. There what you is, go. And they're, the, they're 30th the, in defensive rebounding. Well, what is, and, well, and what is the, the constant there? Is that Al Horford, for all of his talent, has been on teams that have not rebounded the ball throughout his entire career. Yeah, and, that's the one, the one thing he doesn't do well is rebound. Yep. And that that's been that's been a clear that's been a clear problem for them. And I think I think you hit on the biggest thing with these guys, which is that last year 
you had Jay Crowder healthy, which was big. And I, I well, like you said, whether it's a, the injury or whatever, he hasn't looked the same defensively for sure. Um, and they have had Avery Bradley out for a while, which is hurt. But I think the biggest thing is that they have kind of lost the identity that they had last year. Well, they were a team that was a defense first team that would fly around and, and make plays at that end. That would lead to offense. Kind of, you know, kind of, they're not, they weren't exactly the same, but it, not, it's not dissimilar from what the Thunder have been this year with Westbrook. Not that their defense is that great, but that they just, because they can't score any other way, like the Thunder have to score by getting the ball out in transition, flying down the court and scoring. So the, the Celtics did a lot of that last year and just kind of, you know, ran teams out of the gym. Whereas this year, I, I think to your point, they are much better offensively from a, just kind of a half-court set standpoint. And I think they have kind of gotten away from some of the stuff that made them into a pretty good team overall last year. The fact that they did kind of play with a certain kind of mentality that allowed them to go out and, and really kind of hustle teams off the court at times. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that's part of it. Like last year, it was almost do or die. Like if they forced turnovers, they were going to get offense out of them. They were going to hit shots. They were going to score out of them. And if they were in the half court, I think they were 26th or, or worse it was low twenties in half court offense last year. So now, now they've, they've become one of the better half court offensive teams in the league. Isaiah Thomas, nobody can stop him from scoring and, and things change a little bit. And so I don't think there's that sense of urgency. And I don't think that explains all of it. I think some of it is the personnel isn't the same. Some of it is, you know, you look at them and they still have Crowder, Bradley. Uh, Now they have Horford, Amir Johnson, a lot of guys who have, always been plus defenders Marcus Smart but then then you know last year it was almost always you had plus defenders on the court whether it was Jonas Jurepko and Kelly Linick obviously those guys are still in there now but the other two guys off the bench were Evan Turner and Marcus Smart and mm-hmm. those are four 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 good defenders off the bench four experienced defenders and now there's a lot lot of more inexperience and I, I really do think that that's been a big part of it too that that and especially when when guys are out whether it's Avery Bradley like it was in the Washington game or Horford and Crowder earlier in this season, there's like a trickle-down effect, and it's it's the bench a lot of the times that has been struggling. And you know what? Their starting lineup, too, now over the last month or so has been bleeding points as well. And, and if you look at the numbers, I mean, I don't think at all that it should all be blamed on Isaiah Thomas or even close to it. But when he's on the court, their defensive numbers have been really, really harsh. And... And maybe that's because they think they could just score any time when he's on the court. But those those numbers have been really bad with him on the court. Well, and I, and I, that was that was going to kind of be my next thing, which is that you know, look, there's no question Isaiah Thomas should be an All Star, and he's had a terrific year. But to your point, it's it's kind of hard to look at the Celtics and see how bad they've been on defense and not think that the guy that's literally as I as I've as I've been fond of saying lately, DFL and defensive real plus minus isn't playing a role in this team, you know, having significant issues on defense when he's on the court. Yeah. And, and look, you know, I don't think at all, he's the only issue. Um, I, I do think that because of some of their other issues, which is like, they don't have size on, on the wing. Like they go to small lineups sometimes and it's like Marcus smart is at the three and Avery Bradley, who's an undersized two guard is at the, the two and then Thomas, who's obviously five foot nine is at point guard and they're just small everywhere. And then they don't have physical big guys either. So like, where is that physicality? And so 
it's not at all all Isaiah Thomas, but I, I do think that the the roster and especially the way the roster is playing with Amir Johnson not at the same level he was last year and Crowder again, I don't think he's playing defense at the same level he did last year. Um, that it, it's 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 tougher to hide Isaiah's limitations, I think. And and again, like it, it's not all him. Like they were a top five defense with him playing thirty however minutes last year. It's it's completely possible to have a top five defense with him on the court, mm-hmm. but they managed they managed those minutes a lot better last year defensively uh, when he was on the court, and and for for whatever reason it just hasn't been the same way this year. Now, you know, like we said, like we said before, uh, obviously, like all hope is not lost uh, with with the Celtics. They're they're still in third place. They're a pretty good squad, but um, but it, it, when you when you look at them right now, where where do you see them? In this Eastern Conference hierarchy, do you still have them ahead of the Wizards? Are they um, are they in kind of a cluster behind Toronto? Are they clearly the third seed? Like where like where do you where do you see them right now as they as they sit in the East? When they're healthy, I, I think they're I think they're number three. But I, it's it's not like like if you looked at it at the beginning of the season, I think you would have thought, okay, Cleveland's one. Toronto and Boston two three in some order, and then who everybody else? I don't think it's like that anymore. You know, it, Atlanta's played well. Obviously, the Wizards have, have been streaking lately. Like they, there are other teams that that are on that level and that could knock off the Celtics if they ended up playing them in in the playoffs. I think even Milwaukee with with Giannis and Jabari, and then when Chris Middleton gets back, I think that's a team to be reckoned with in the Eastern Conference. Too, at least you know to a, to a certain extent. So it's not like they're they're a clear cut level above those other teams. Definitely, uh, if they are, it's it's a small small difference right now. And and really really their only hope to to make it a bigger difference is to get that defensive identity back. And and right now, I mean, if you're not going to come out when the other team wears all black and makes it this huge funeral thing and talks all this crap about you and and there's obviously bad blood with them and the wizards then when are you going to play defense and that it's just their defense no matter what the case is it just hasn't shown up like not there's not a single night when they've shown up over the last month and the defense has just been stellar It, it just hasn't happened not a single time and some of their biggest games like they got shredded by the Cavs. They got roasted by the the Raptors. So, so some of their biggest games have been when they have the worst defensive outputs, and and that's that's not a sign that this is a team that just has it's an effort thing where like they can switch a, a flip a switch, like the the switch just isn't there right now. They they don't have that. Yeah, and that that was kind of the stunning thing about this game today, right? Because like I said at the beginning, this this seemed perfectly primed for the Celtics to win this game. The Wizards have won all these games in a row at home. They, you know, they, they had a nice win last night in Charlotte, but they had to play last night. The Celtics are hanging out in Washington. They had two nights off before the game. The, the Wizards just hilariously announced that they're going to have a funeral tomorrow uh, <laughs> after the game in January, which didn't make any sense at all. But just the easy bullet board material for a team with guys like Isaiah Thomas and Jay Crowder that love to have – Marcus Smart, all these guys that love to have chips on their shoulder and get mad about something, even if it's nonsense anyway. So – <laughs> it seemed perfectly set up for the Celtics to come out and play great and win the game. Like a lot of the, a lot of this stuff was in their favor. And then they come out and to your point about their defense, the Wizards shot 65% in the first half and, you know, 
I, John Wall is just shredding them. And Bradley Beal made, I think, his first five or six shots. And, like, they're just getting whatever they want. And, you know, the Celtics scored enough to hang around, but they just never, it, they just never really got in the game. And it was, it was kind of surprising to see from a team that, given everything that went on, you really would have expected would have come out with some juice tonight and, and played a lot differently than they did. Yeah, the switch just isn't there. Like, the defense, no matter what, it hasn't been there. Yeah, I mean, you could tell Brad Stevens, like, he took Amir Johnson out after four minutes. He was playing James Young, who hadn't played since December yeah, 2nd. That was bizarre. I texted you during the game and said, what the heck? <laughs> Is that was the last time he played, December 2nd? Yeah, I mean, he he had an ankle injury for a few of those weeks, but it, Still. he hadn't played in, in far more than a month. So just just a weird, weird night. Yeah, they started Jalen Brown in the second half. Uh, I don't think he's started a half in like two months since November when Crowder was still hurt. So it, it, he was just searching for stuff. And, and when you're searching for stuff, a lineup that'll get stops, a lineup. And he, what he said was he was looking for scoring. He knew they were going to have to score. In other words, I know we're not going to stop the Wizards. Right. So so we need to keep pace with them in another way. And it's just their their identity is all wrong right now, or it's not even there. And, and look, it, it's not even that they don't have an identity. Their identity has shifted. They're an offensive team now. They're a team that relies on Isaiah Thomas to do whatever he does in the fourth quarter. Right. And, and like, it's just, they're still a, a good team. They're still one of the better teams at the Eastern Conference. It's just the formula has shifted. Well, and, and, and I think, frankly, to your point, I, that's a bad formula for the Celtics, right? Like, like, let's be honest. They're lucky that they've won as many games as they have the last month. I'm not diminishing what Isaiah Thomas did over that stretch going insane down the stretch of games. He also had some games that are just very unlikely to repeat. And like the, the, the four or six week stretch he had of clutch play, it's just kind of hard to assume that that's just going to stay the same way for the next three months. So if you've shifted to where you are going to be this offense first team and you're going to rely on Isaiah Thomas to pull you out in these games down the stretch, well, if he's not superhuman and making, you know, turning into an NBA jam guard uh, over and over again, then you're probably going to start getting burned. And I, I think that's, that's kind of what we've seen over the last week or so, right, where they, they just haven't had the juice to kind of match some of these teams they've played, and that's resulted in them losing games late. Yeah, and, you know, when you look down the road in the playoffs, it's like, okay, are they going to outscore the Raptors? Well, probably not if they meet in the playoffs because the Raptors have one of the best offenses in recorded history so far. Like they're, and, and the Celtics they, have nobody to guard uh, DeMar DeRozan like that. Beyond the fact that Lowry is the best player on the court, like DeRozan needs a bigger, rangier guy on him than Avery Bradley, and he's just he just constantly torches the Celtics every time they play. Yeah, and and, and especially when they go with the one-three pick and roll, and, and the Celtics have to decide whether to switch Isaiah Thomas onto him right. or hedge and recover, and that's a nightmare. So, are you going to outscore the Raptors? I don't think so. Are you going to outscore the Cavs? Yeah. Good, good, good luck, good luck go, right. going in there and, and not having a physical defense to stop LeBron, Kyrie, and Kevin Love. Like, they, they really need to iron out some things if, if they want to come anywhere close to what their aspirations were entering the season. Yeah, I know, and that, that's the interesting thing about them is, is I, I think you're right. Like, you look, at, you look at some of the stuff they did, like not re-signing Evan Turner for four for 72 is a perfectly reasonable move. And – you know, playing Jalen Brown, you know, getting him, you know, number three pick in the draft, getting him some minutes in the rotation is smart, like long-term, you know, assuming he becomes anything close to what they hope. 
um, you know, that'll pay off for them. But yeah, I mean, I, I think it is safe to say that that they have taken you know a couple steps back in their rotation, playing guys like him and Rogier in the short term. Um, and so that that kind of leads me to if you look at this Boston team right now, and you see them as much as anybody, what do you think the fix is right now for this group? Not, and again, not the, not trying to say that the season's over or anything, but just given given their current their current state of affairs and the struggles they're having, what, what do you think is the right move to try to to change things around a little bit and and maybe jumpstart things. Yeah, you know that that's kind of a tricky question because obviously their the main organizational focus isn't necessarily on this year. They've they've clearly spent a lot of time and and resources to create maximum cap space this summer. So they're not going to pick up somebody who doesn't put them over the top and would give them a short-term boost if that hurts their chances of targeting a free agent in the future or a free agent this summer. So, you know, could you go after someone like Andrew Bogut? I mean, maybe I, 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 I guess it would help, but it a, how much, a, a, how much, how much would it help? Does it really get you to where you want to be? B what's the real point of spending any assets when he's not going to be with you long-term. Right. And so, so, could there be guys that fix? Yes, like they could use a rebounder badly and a physical force down down low. They could use some more size on the wing, uh, a rugged another rugged defender because you know as you saw today when Stevens tried to go small, he was relying on Jalen Brown and James Young, and he, like they just don't have the the wing depth and and the size on the wing that you'd really want. So th- there could be short term fixes, but it's just a matter of how much how much do you want that. And, and, and maybe, maybe, you know what, maybe they do say, okay, we're trying to go after free agents this summer, whether it's Blake Griffin, Gordon Hayward, whoever else. And you know what, it, it is really important to, to them that we go out there and win finish with 50 something wins and win at least one round in the playoffs, maybe two. And, and maybe they will sp- think it, it's worth more resources to go after, you know, a short term rental. But I, I, I'm just not sure whether they're, that's something they're too concerned about because obviously the the focus in the organization I think is on longer term stuff and bigger picture stuff and obviously competing for a title somewhere down the road where obviously right now they're not ready to do that. Yeah, they they clearly don't have the long term pieces to really do that. I mean, you know, let's I mean, look, Isaiah Thomas is going to be a free agent after next season. Are you going to pay two hundred and fifty million dollars over five years to keep Isaiah Thomas? I mean, yeah, I maybe that's 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 not that's probably not going to look like a great contract. <laughs> it, it, it's not going to be two hundred fifty, is it? I haven't. I haven't. I mean, he's going to have. He's going to. He's going to have. Lot. I mean, he's going to have full bird rights. I mean, if he if he says I want a five year max, um, let's see how many years he's been in the league. Uh, he's been in the league shorter than that. So I mean, you're talking thirty percent of the cap. So that would start at. I mean, it'd be over $30 million a year, so it'd be close to $200 million. It will be a big contract. It'd be a big contract. Max. You yes. know, and, and, <laughs> and to your point, they've got Jalen Brown. The, the Nets, you know, thanks in large part to Jeremy Lin's hamstring failing him, um, looks, look like they have a, a very strong possibility of being the worst team in the league, which means that Boston will, will be, you know, will almost certainly have one of the top four picks in the draft in a, a draft with three, at least three monster point guards in it. 
between Markel Fultz and Lonzo Ball, who both of whom I'll see next week in person in, in Washington, and Dennis Smith from NC State. Um, and they have the Nets pick in 2018 when the Nets probably won't be a lot better. So they, they could be looking at a situation where they have, not only do they have Jalen Brown, but they have, you know, say Lonzo Ball and another elite young player a year from now. And their true championship window is somewhere down the road. Or like you said, maybe they go out and get, you know, they, they chase guys like Gordon Hayward who happen to play for Brad Stevens at Butler or try to sign Blake Griffin if he decides he's done in Los Angeles if the Clippers don't have the kind of season they expect or, or that kind of stuff. But it, it does kind of feel like you look at this current season and you see where Cleveland is and you even see where Toronto is. And it, it does seem unlikely that this Celtics team with all of the options that they seem to have open for them in the future is really going to um, throw the gauntlet down and say, we need to make a move now to try to improve this team. Whereas they might just kind of tread water. And if they, if they get it figured out fine, if they finish fifth and lose in the first round, like maybe that's not the worst case scenario, as opposed to giving up a real asset to try to make a move, like you said, for somebody that helps them maybe in the short term, but isn't, isn't necessarily a piece that makes sense for them over a longer term than that. Exactly. And before we get to, to more more talk about the roster, can we just talk about the funeral stuff? Like, Well, yeah, I, let's, I, let's I, talk about it. We need to talk about the funeral stuff because that was just I, – I was so entertained by all of the trash talk and the theatrics. Oh, it was incredible. It was – I was talking I mean, to Jerry this was, Brewer, our columnist, this afternoon. Uh, we're recording this late on uh, – on Tuesday after the game, and I he he said uh, he said they're not really going to wear this stuff to the game, are they? And I said, well, it'd be pretty weird for them to announce that they're going to do it and then not do it. That would almost be more weird than just announcing it in the first place. So I think they're probably going to. And then sure enough, here they all come strolling into the game, all wearing their all wearing their black outfits, ready to go. Um, I mean, you got Jason Smith strolling in with the all black. And then you got Marsan Gortat saying, "Don't blame me for this." Right. It was be a walk in was, like some leather, like some fur coat. I mean, it was it was. Uh, but you know what though? I give those guys credit because if you're gonna do nonsense like that, you know, you sure as hell better win the game. <laughs> and and look, they won the game. They they went out and they they went out and they played great. And the the thing I was kind of referring to at the beginning was. You know, I'm writing about the Wizards for tomorrow and kind of where they, they sit in the East. And how many backcourts in the league are better than John Wall and Bradley Beal at the moment? Especially, I mean, I mean Beal honestly, has been playing unbelievable. I think you can honestly argue that it's only one. Because obviously, you know, Steph Curry and Clay Thompson is number one. by Tor- know, Toronto, too. In Toronto. Okay, right. Tomor- Toronto, for sure. I, I, was trying to, I was trying to go through and remember them all. Um as I was writing the column. So yeah, I, I, Toronto, Toronto, I think is clearly in their own category at this point too. But you know, like in the past, there've been people that have debated whether say McCollum and Lillard are better than them. I think at this point, at least this year, Wall and Beal have been better. Um, you know, like Chris Paul has been hurt, but you know, between those two guys, they'd probably be better than, than even Paul, the combination of Paul and JJ Redick, or at least in the conversation with those kind of guys. Whereas, you know, like last year, Beal couldn't stay on the court and, wall was heard and you know the team wasn't very good but when those guys are playing like they were tonight when they just absolutely shredded the Celtics you know you kind of look around and say man that this is a this is a tandem that can really do some things in the east for a while and then you look at Otto Porter next to them who's hitting 45 percent of his three-pointers yep. and he, he rebounds like heck for his position he's he's active 
Like that's that's a, all of a sudden, you know, that that backcourt that looked kind of broken. Uh, there were all the reports about Wall and Beal not liking each other. Now all of a sudden, that that looks like like a young trio that could be good for a while. Be, yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And Marcin Gortat just remains remains solid. And I mean, the thing that's kind of remarkable about them for me is they've done all this while Yamahimi, who was their big free agent signing, has not basically played at all. Played one game. Sat out for you sat out for six weeks again since then, or maybe even two months. Um, had a whole bunch of knee problems, and you know if they can if they can manage to get him back, you know I I kind of I kind of wonder if this team can't wind up getting past the Celtics and getting into you know that that two three range in the East because they're obviously they've been on fire at home, and you know if they and since December first I was looking up some numbers since December first they have the best record in the entire Eastern Conference. Um, ironically, only two games better than the Celtics. Um, you know, which shows that that really all all is not lost for Boston, despite some of the uh, the doom and gloom around them. But um, it, it just has been it has been pretty wild to look at this Washington team and see how much things have changed for them since um, since the early part of the year when it, it looked like um, you know it really looked like things were going to go sideways and they were two and eight and you know people were wondering you know man they just played Bradley Beal all this money they signed all these guys they're now are they even going to make the playoffs? Like what, what's going to happen here? And, and all of a sudden now they're, they're kind of right back where I think a lot of us kind of expected it would be before the year started. Just, just burying teams, man. I mean, it, <laughs> that whole thing really, really is absolutely it, incredible. It was amazing. And somehow there were like, like in a normal media back and forth, it, it's like, like you say one comment and then the other team comes back and that's kind of it. In this case, like John Wall was talking about the Celtics before they even played in Charlotte, right? And and then the Celtics responded a couple of times, and they came back with, with the funeral stuff. It was it was just amazing. Now, really how was. I mean, it, it is ridiculous that this has become even like a quote unquote rivalry since these teams have never played for anything. But it would be pretty fun if this was a playoff series. Yeah, they don't like each other. They don't like and each I other don't at know. all. And the teams match up pretty well. Like I, I think it would be, I, I think it'd be pretty fun. I mean, I mean, Wall and Wall and Thomas would be fun, and you know, that like Horford and Gortat's a pretty solid matchup, and um, you know, Beal and Bradley would be fun. I mean, they, they, the teams are kind of, I wouldn't say exactly similar across the board, but it's a lot of, lot of similar parts that kind of match up well, and I think would really make for a fun, for a fun playoff series, especially when you add in the fact that they. There's these comic levels of, of dislike that really haven't come from anywhere of you know real substance to this point. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd be I'd be really down for that playoff series. And, and like you said, like over the last, this was the first game without any real beef between the two teams, and all we got instead was just Marcus Smart snapping at his own coaching staff. Um, and but later this apologizing fr- on Twitter. <laughs> this is the first time over the last like two years that that nothing popped off between the two teams. And yeah, people forget because because Washington was so irrelevant last year because they were bad. Like this goes back to like the beginning of last season, right? Yeah, yeah. Jay Crowder was uh, he claimed that Randy Whitman called him soft That's during right. a game, and then got a technical for <laughs> screaming at Whitman. And, and, then, and then ever since then, it has just been like. And I think even before that, you know, Marcus Smart, I think uh, he inadvertently injured Bradley Beal. So there was that that level to it. And then Crowder at Whitman. And now it's it survived past Whitman. 
and the nose boop and all of that. <laughs> it's it's just it's just been an incredible incredible NBA beef. Like yeah. it has all all layers of NBA yeah, beef. It really does, and it, it it made for a very fun it made for a very fun day today because I mean there just aren't many days in January when it's like hey this is a game that's actually worth paying attention to because teams really dislike each other. I mean it was it was kind of a nice. <laughs> You know, all the all the absurdity aside, it, it was fun, and that's and again, it kind of goes back to why I was kind of stunned to see that the 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 Celtics just didn't really have the kind of response I expected. I just I really thought I, I thought it might be a chance for them to kind of snap out of their funk, and instead, it just kind of reinforced um, it kind of reinforced some of the stuff that's been going on. So, uh, from your standpoint, you know, we I mean, we talked about a decent amount, but we got a we got about a month to the trade deadline. Do you, do you really expect Boston to do anything, um, or do you think that it's either like a rental like Bogut for basically for free or <clears throat> maybe sign a buyout guy and then really kind of say, look, we'll just see what happens this season and we'll save our powder for the draft and, and free agency to really try to, you know, make a swing to really dramatically improve the roster for next year. Yeah, I think I think they're more likely to, to kick it along and and try to make a big move further down the road than they are to to go after a piece. And obviously they could use a piece, but. You know, they're, they're going to be a good but not great team, I think, you know, not no matter what, but but for for most of the guys that that you could theoretically consider as as feasible options, then they're going to be a good but not great team. So it, it doesn't make sense to me to spend assets on one of those guys unless you think it might help you get somebody else in free agency or unless, you know, maybe you think. Okay, we can give up two second round picks because we have so 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 much draft equity that that we're we're okay with that and because it'll help us win this year. So I, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if they went after a short term rental, but I'm just not convinced they'll do it. Yeah, that's kind of where I stand too. I think they're uh, I think they're kind of just I mean, and like like you said, you made a really good point. You look at the way they've built this roster and if you're playing Jalen Brown and you're playing Terry Rozier and you're you know, you're, 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 you're making moves like that. Part of that is the hope that a couple of years from now, those guys are good. And, you know, I, I think if you're the Celtics, you kind of have to realistically look around and say, our ceiling is probably getting to the second round of the playoffs. And if, if everything breaks right, you know, if Toronto gets upset or something, maybe we can make the conference finals, but chances are we're, we're, you know, the third or fourth or fifth best team. And, you know, whether if we can win a series, great. But if not, we have all these young guys. We have all these assets going forward. We can go into the free agency and say, you know, look, you can come here and play with, you know, our, what's already a good team with another top pick and um, and another one to come after that and, and kind of say, you know, and make that your sales pitch and kind of say, look, we could have gone out and got some guy to win an extra round of the playoffs this year, but we'd rather have waited and, and come to you in free agency and said, hey, look, Gordon Hayward or, hey, look, Blake Griffin, come be – the superstar here and, and, you know, lift the franchise to the next level. Yeah. And, and look, if you go out and get someone like say PJ Tucker or somebody, because you don't have much wing depth, the, the, the opportunity cost is now Jalen Brown's not getting the minutes and the development right. that he's gotten. And right. so to like me, what's you're, the, you're like, what's the, like, what's the, what's the better alternative? If you if say PJ Tucker's the difference between winning a playoff series or not, like getting the second round or the first round, what's better? Letting Jalen Brown play 20 minutes a game in the playoffs or winning a first round series and then losing in five or six games of the Raptors. I, to me, I would say it's better to have, to your point, have those young guys in the rotation and, 
if you get a playoff series victory or somehow get, or maybe you get two and get the conference finals, then great. But the long-term payoff of getting a guy like Jalen Brown real playoff minutes, I think down the road is probably going to be worth way more than, like you said, the opportunity cost of getting a, 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 a win now vet that can maybe slightly increase your chances of doing something this year, but isn't really going to do something for you anywhere down the road. Yeah, exactly. And, and I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens, but they obviously have, have flaws in their roster. And, and a lot of it has to do with size, I think. Like, up and down the roster, they just don't have much size. Not a lot of guys who play with force. And, and it's, it's not just, like, like, they don't have size at the one. They don't have size at the two. They don't have size. Literally every position, you, they just don't have size. Yeah, and they, don't have just, they just don't strength. have any guys that play with force, really. I mean, Jay Crowder does, but you, you look, and whether it's Bradley or Thomas or, um, or Horford, like, these are really good players, but they're just not – they're not impactful players athletically like that. Um, like Marcus Smart is and Jay Crowder is, but they, ju- they just don't have a lot of those guys. And even those guys, like you said, if they're playing Jay Crowder at power forward and, and, and Marcus Smart at small forward, even those guys then are kind of, you know, they're either at a size disadvantage or, or kind of going, you know, size for size with a lot of the guys in their position as opposed to really being able to impose their will on anybody. Yeah, and what's what's been, what has been a big difference for them is when they play Marcus Smart at the one, and all of a sudden, like they do have the size advantage, and Smart can be a bully ball point guard, and he can post up because he has the smallest guard on the other team on him, and normally he's playing against threes, and that takes away part of his game, that takes away part of his strength, so it's been like a, a huge trickle down effect. The the size of the entire roster has affected like everything about that roster, so. They, they definitely need more size, but maybe have to wait till next year. Yeah, they might. And and speaking of that, before I let you go, what, um, you know, because it is kind of a weird situation where uh, where you look at the Celtics right now and there's they have a good team, but not a great team. And meanwhile, they have this Nets pick as the Brooklyn Nets just continue to lose and Jeremy Lane, it was announced yesterday, is out for another month, which basically, if it doesn't wrap up the fact that they're going to have the, the worst record in the league, it, the, it pretty much guarantees they're going to be in the bottom two or three. Whereas with, early in the year when he was healthy, even though it was only a few games, it looked like they, not that they were going to win 40 games, but they might be okay. And then basically Lane has never been healthy ever since. Um, you know, what has it been like kind of for Celtic fans up there in Boston? You know, what, what is the excitement level right now for you know, guy, like I said, I'm going to Seattle next week to watch Washington play UCLA and see Markel Fultz and Lonzo Ball. Like, how, how much daily talk is there about these guys like them or Josh Jackson or, J, or Dennis Smith or De'Aaron Fox or Malik Monk, these guys at the top of what seems like a really loaded draft class this year that the, uh, that the Celtics look like they're primed to get their hands on? Yeah, I, I mean, everyone's really excited. The, the, not that it's, it's a real concern for the Celtics, especially right now where they don't know where they're going to be picking. But, I mean, it's it's not ideal, I don't think, that a lot of the top prospects for them are point guards. And from everything I've heard about Markel Fultz and seen about him, he could play alongside somebody like Isaiah Thomas. He has the size. He has the, the off-ball skills to, to make that work. But you look at some of the other guys, Lonzo Ball, he's, he's clearly a pure point guard, I think. And... De'Aaron Fox, same thing. He can't shoot yet. He's lightning quick. He's a point guard. Uh, Dennis Smith, probably same thing. He needs a ball in his hands. So how much how much does need factor into that pick? 
Uh, obviously, you know, at or, that, whatever. Or, or does Isaiah Thomas become a trade chip? Yeah, I mean, I mean, who knows? I, I think he's he's played himself into their plans. I, I think he's changed. I'm not saying he's that he. Changed. I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm not saying that he hasn't. But I just like. I mean, yeah, you, yeah. you when you people, if you talk to people around the league, I don't know what you've heard about. I don't know how much you've dug into guys like Fultz and Ball. I'll just tell you that people look at those two guys in particular as generational potential players. So yeah, no studs. Yeah, studs. and, and, and I, this is I do this think is. Fultz- like, it's easy, it's e- like I was talking to somebody today who said, you know, I'm not one to usually do the, oh, this draft class thing is great, but this draft class is great. And you look at the top of that draft, and it seems like they're they are going to have their, be able to get their hands on a potential monster guy at that position, um, which, you know, which is a pretty rare opportunity for, for a team like we've been talking about that's, you know, got a chance to win 45, 50 games again this year. Yeah, and I, but I, I do think if you get number one, you take Fultz, and and maybe maybe that forces you to to go ahead and and explore the trade market for Marcus Smart or Avery Bradley uh, mm-hmm. because I do think Fultz is a guy who can play either backcourt position and he has the size he has the length but you know it, it'll be crowded in the in the Celtics backcourt if they do take another guard obviously and and they they've wanted for years all they've wanted is talent they they haven't cared what position it, it is they just want more talent. And whoever they pick in this draft is going to be a talented, talented guy. From what you hear, there's like six or seven potential all-stars. Those guys, as, as you said, Fultz, Fultz and Ball are the two, and I think Fultz more than Ball, who have separated themselves in the eyes of just about everybody. Yeah, so, I mean, it's those two guys. Like, I know some people who have Ball number one. I mean, they, they, are, they, are, they are really – they are both impressive guys to watch. And, you know, it's – you know, I, I'm sure that – I'm sure there's a lot of people in Boston, I imagine, who are staying up till 11, 12, 1 o'clock at night on a regular basis on Wednesdays and Saturdays to 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 check out some check out these guys playing, you know, late night on the West Coast to see and I'm sure dreaming about them being in Celtic green and white in a few months. It's funny. You you'll see tweets like my timeline, people I follow, I follow a lot of a lot of Celtics Celtics followers and fans and stuff, and you'll see like, "Oh my god, I, Dennis Smith, Celtics need him. <laughs> like, like the next night, it's 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 Fultz when he has thirty, and so it, it it switches sometimes from night to night who everybody's excited about. But all those guys, all those guys seem like like really good talents. So Celtics, I mean, they they almost got unlucky to get number three last year because there was a huge drop off after number two. But I, well, I think I, I would argue land, there was a huge drop off after number one last year. But that's kind of besides the point. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see once once Simmons gets gets some playing time, but but yeah, it, they almost got unlucky with the number three pick, and and this year I don't think it. I mean, it looks like they'll almost. It almost shouldn't be, matter. I mean, obviously, it'd be great to get Fultz or Ball, and that that's that's probably the guy you want. But even if even if they end up with Josh Jackson or or Dennis Smith or De'Aaron Fox, one of these other guys, I mean, it's it's not like like they all like it. It see, the ceilings all seem very high. You know, yeah, like you said, it doesn't seem like there's much of a drop off for several picks this year, which is which is a nice spot to be in. Yeah, and it'll almost definitely be a top four pick for them. So D- Danny Ainge, he's sitting in a nice spot, even though his team cannot find the defense right now. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure Brad Stevens will be pulling his hair out until he figures it out. But we'll uh, we'll see what hazard. Is there anything uh, is there anything you want to plug before we get out of here? Do you have coming up? I got nothing, man. I just appreciate appreciate coming on the podcast. I always have a fun time on your podcast, my man. Likewise, man. Um, 
All right. Well, well, thanks. Uh, thanks for stopping by, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me, my man. All right. Thanks to Jay for coming on. Uh, one of my good friends and a really good guy to cover the Celtics. So um, please follow him at by Jay King. Uh, he also has the Rain and Jay's podcast. He does a great job. Uh, he's one of my really good friends. Definitely fun Twitter follow, fun follow period. Really good writer. Works really hard. So definitely pay attention to his stuff. Um, as for me, you can find my work in the Washington Post and on WashingtonPost.com. You can find me on Twitter at Tim Bontemps. You can find me on Facebook at Tim Bontemps NBA. Uh, please uh, subscribe to the Posting Out podcast on iTunes and Stitcher and wherever else you can get your podcast. Give us a five-star rating and review. That would be really um, that would be really great. Helps us out a lot. Reviews help boost the podcast. Gives more, you know, gets more exposure, which is good. So thank you in advance for that. Uh, thank you to Glenn Yoder in the Western States for the theme music for the podcast. Uh, Glenn is the sports newsletter at the Washington Post. Really good dude. I've gone and seen his band in person. They're great. Um, a lot of people have commented how much they like the theme music for the podcast. It's, um, it's, it's really good stuff. So hopefully, you know, those guys appreciate the, the love that you, they've given, they've heard about on the podcast. And hopefully you go buy their stuff. Um, you know, thanks again to, uh, thanks again to Jay for stopping by. And, uh, and thanks to all you for listening. And, Hope to be back again later this week with another podcast. So until then, have a good rest of your week.